Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, I have a special guest on my podcast here. I am with Eric Duran. This is a good friend of mine. He is a software engineer for a big tech company. Some of you may have heard of it. He's also a mentor, a speaker, and a content creator himself. Eric, thank you so much for being on the Zen hey, Stoic Path. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this is exciting. I know uh, a mutual friend of ours who is also one of the, the co-founders of Zen Stoic, Lewis, he, he put this together. He wanted us to come in and do this interview together. And I always wanted to as well, because I know we've had some good conversations in the past about philosophy, about life. So thank you so much for being here, man. He did. He did. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm actually a big fan of yours too. So Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you're also very gracious to have this done in your house, right? Like my little portable studio. <laughs> We're making it happen here. Yeah, it's nice. It's actually... I've always wanted to record here. I keep wanting to make a video. Oh, here, in this room. In this room. But I don't like the aesthetics, which no? is a wonderful aesthetics. I, I love it. I, don't I like love it this fireplace. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I think my all my popular posts are with the fireplace. So I'm doing oh, it wrong. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, that, That's the one that people respond to. I'm like, they like it, but I don't want to do it there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So now you gave me the grand tour of the house. And so the, one of the first things that I'll mention is we were walking through your office. I saw on the desk, and then you had also reminded me you had the Marcus Aurelius Meditations book. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously on this podcast, we, we mentioned Marcus a few times. Yeah. Being that <laughs> we discussed I, I, I those. So. <laughs> yes. So, um, so I, I know you and I were discussing it now. That's not even one of those books that you just read all the way through, but you take a few pages in. What has stood out for you in that book, and how is it applied to, to your everyday life? Yeah, I think a lot of it. It's funny. It's a book that when I first got it, I got mm-hmm. it a while ago, and I tried to read it front to back, and I was like, oh, that was failure number one. <laughs> this is not a good idea. <laughs> this, is, this is not how it works. So now I keep it by my bed, and I just read a couple of sections a day, and like sometimes even just a week, mm-hmm. just a slow burn. Like, all right, yes. let me sit with this for a couple of days and try to like really process it. And I think I sometimes I look up the passage and see what people think and try to make my own assessments of mm-hmm. it. But it is... It's it's a it's an interesting read, I would say. It's like yes. it's just trying to put myself in his situation. It's just fun sometimes and also like scary at times. As the most powerful man in the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> during his time. <laughs> it's oh man, this could go so bad. Yes. But I feel like I take a lot from the book. Like in small details, actually this sweater I have on today, it actually says um Limited days. Limited days, yeah. I was I I, I did notice that earlier. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's it's good to be reminded that we're all here set for maybe a couple years, maybe some of us hopefully will live a lot of years, mm-hmm. but it's still a set time. Take advantage of every day and be reminded that we're we're in the surf, but then we leave the surf. So yes. I wanna be impactful with the things I do every day. I wanna like whatever I'm doing, I wanna pull my put my full effort into it and really say, Hey, it's not that I'm going to die tomorrow, but uh, yes. <laughs> it's good to be reminded that my days are numbered. Absolutely. Um, that that there's that they're limited, that our experience is temporary. And I think that's it's a really important reminder. It seems to be like the the flavor of stoic meta, uh, of stoic motivation. Remember, you're going to die. <laughs> it's like woven in through all the writing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I never thought about it as motivation, but it's definitely, hey, don't. It's one of those things. I think one of the lines is don't put off tomorrow what mm-hmm. you can do today. So I yes. try to like. If I could do it today, I try to do it. But also, I set goals where it's, I'm going to do one thing. Mm-hmm. And if I do that one thing, it's okay. Yes. I don't have to try to do too many things. Yeah, um, you don't need to like pack the day yeah. in and brag about your pack schedule to all your friends. <laughs> Look yeah. at me. <laughs> Everyone thinks the whole, the busy thing. It's like yeah. actually, to me, busy is not what I want to do. I want to just be focused on one thing. Another thing I think I've taken from um, meditation is, I'm trying to phrase it correctly, but it's, you know, what gets in the way becomes the way oh right yeah Yeah. so the whole concept of the obstacle is the way the obstacle is the way right so it's like to me whatever and i face this a lot at work too and like just in life whenever Mm -hmm. something comes up my first thought is like man this is bad this is not what i wanted to do this Mm -hmm. isn't what i wanted to work on so i usually always come back to that phrase and say to myself oh actually this is an opportunity let me see what i can do to make this better and once i do that and i remember that it's very easy for me to be like, oh, actually, like I start coming up with ideas and like mm-hmm. how I'm going to make this better, how I'm going to improve this. And it always just, sorry, I stepped out of the mic. Oh, we got to add it now. Oh, that, that's okay. That's why <laughs> um, we got this this fancy software here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what was I saying? The So the obstacle being the way, like you, when you see things that kind of get in the way of where wherever you're going yeah. for your goals, 
you typically ask yourself some questions to change the perspective on that. Yeah, and once I realized that this is the obstacle, I was like, oh, actually, this is fine. This is now the way. <laughs> oh, this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. This is actually my, and I'm like, and I think of it, it's like, oh, this is an opportunity. And it's, sometimes it's really hard to really think of certain things as an opportunity. If I'm working with someone and say, man, we're not connecting, mm. things aren't going well. Like, it's hard to realize that, Actually, this is an opportunity for me to work with someone that we don't get along, but still be able to accomplish something. So all those moments, they're just really hard to realize in the moment. Yes. And that's what I try to catch. And say, oh, this is, this is an opportunity. This is the obstacle. This is your moment. Yeah, this is the thing that he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is it. So like always reading through the book and like trying to catch different passages and mm-hmm. applying it. The applying part is hard. It's hard to realize it. But once you get it, it's great. Yeah, and and that that's I think the the interesting thing about philosophy is that it's something that you can consistently work on, consistently reflect back because it's never necessarily going to be perfect as we idealize it. I'm sure even you know, Marcus himself wasn't perfect, and he wrote about it several times in the book, his own reflection on his character. So it's one of those things that sometimes in the moment you don't remember it, but then it gives you this kind of like emotional event where you have a reaction and you think back to yourself, okay, like. Now I got to remember it. And I yeah. noticed that whenever something stimulates us emotionally, it's, it almost like tells our mind that, Hey, this is important. Yeah. Whatever that lesson was like, this is why you need to apply it. And then suddenly you become associated to that lesson, associated to that passage that you read. And you're like, okay, yeah. Now, every time the obstacle comes up, I don't need to be upset, but I'm like, Oh, here's an opportunity. Yeah. Usually I used to call that uh, anxiety so I used yes to <laughs> that's the phrase that most of us have yeah. used for that <laughs> i was like oh the anxiety is kicking up what happened let me try to figure mm. it out but now i think of it in like a more positive term yeah that's really interesting because at least the way that that i've always looked at it is that your emotions they're not good or bad they just are right how you judge them is going to determine whether or not they're good or bad in your life but we were just saying here like even prior to recording like before every podcast I, I always feel some nerves. Yeah. I always feel a little bit of nervousness and you had brought it up and I, it kind of made me feel better about it. I was like, yeah, this is just, I'm nervous, this yeah. is what I feel I'm when I'm nervous. about to put myself on the line and start saying some stuff, start sharing my thoughts. And uh, I think if, if we look at that as a negative, we'll call it anxiety. Yeah. If we look at it as a positive, we'll call it excitement. Yeah. Like you just got the jitters. You're like, all right, let's do yeah, this. Yeah. Thing. There's that line where I try to like, uh, where's that line? But no, you make a good point. The, I actually learned that through meditation. I not, Meditation, actually meditating, not so much the not, book. Not the book, not meditation. The, no. the meditation, the singular. <laughs> meditation, actually, like <laughs> meditating and being like, my emotions are just, there's something for me to really assess, but mm-hmm. not something to like, because I'm angry, it doesn't mean I have to be a certain way. And I learned that through actually headspace and meditation and kind of, funny enough, not through the stoic path, but mm-hmm. through other similar techniques. Absolutely. What, what uh, inspired you to start meditation or to begin doing that as a practice funny enough anxiety yeah <laughs> look at that and stoicism all, would be like all, the anxiety is a blessing because yeah, it led you to it meditation led me to, <laughs> to, uh, meditation but it's a full circle actually i've dealt with a lot of anxiety my whole life but like chronic and like really bad anxiety to the mm. point where i would get sick and like mm. i just couldn't function in normal day life and as I got older, it just it started getting more and more affecting my life a little more. Yes. And I really had to find a way. Now, don't get me wrong. I like I went to doctors. I did all the stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to find a more holistic, more reasonable approach to tackling that issue with me. So, yes. Uh, meditation. But also, I want. I was noticing that I just, I was looking for productivity hacks to some extent and i try not to talk about productivity because i think it's very popular and everyone wants to perform <laughs> at 110 percent. i'm, I'm very uh, curious to hear your take on this uh, because i i certainly have some opinions with productivity hacks and all that jazz but i'm very yeah, curious yeah, to no, hear no, but i'm sure you and i are aligned in, on in this that path, in that path i found meditation and the yes. idea of actually i need to slow it down not just go faster and through that process i just really meditation man i went through a phase where i was just meditating every day maybe 20 30 minutes a day and i think that was the best time where i was the most ideal self what i think of as like my best self yes was during those days and i always try to get back to it but i don't really now it's a little harder for me to meditate for that long every Mm -hmm. day but i still pick up the habit yes now i think what's interesting is that you said you've tried the methods that are accepted by society, going to the doctors, doing all these different things for your anxiety. 
what was the difference between doing the, I guess, the methods that we accept here in the Western world with doing meditation for you? What was the difference in effect? I think to some extent, it was just hard to think that not doing something is going to help you get better. And there's situations where my anxiety is not like meditation doesn't help with my anxiety, right? Because mm. I have like very certain specific areas of anxiety. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't want to get too much into it, but certain things that trigger it are not going to help in like just meditation. Meditation is more of a holistic mm-hmm. getting my anxiety levels down, but it's not going to help me in certain situations where there's a fear or there's something there that's going to trigger it. Mm-hmm. It won't help there, but yes. that's okay. I'm like those situations. I know to avoid them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I know not to be in that situation with these kind of, with those things. Those are easy, but more of like my everyday stuff. That's really where I was like, all right, there can be a better solution to that. Mm-hmm. I never really, I don't know if I explore all the ways of getting rid of anxiety, but I just learned to live with it. And mm-hmm. for me, meditation was learning to live with it in another way for me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like it, it changed your perspective on the feeling and the sensation itself. Yeah. And I remember one time when I was probably, it was during those days where I was meditating every day, 20 minutes a day, and I had an anxiety attack and I was able to like just center myself and be like, what's happening here mm-hmm. and really think through it. And I think that was probably when I had a big like mental shift with me and my relationship to my anxiety where it's yes. oh, actually some of this is under my control like my body is just definitely not mm-hmm. okay but i can dim it a bit there are certain so, yeah. aspects which yeah, you certain had aspect some where influence it's like over. i can and it's it's hard and like it's not i we didn't we weren't really gonna talk about anxiety so i don't really want to get too much into oh, it. it's, it's cool like, man it's, it's wherever the conversation like, goes yeah. <laughs> uh but it is something that's just it's interesting because it's i was able to like really think it through and separate myself from what was happening in that situation and really look at it and be like anxiety is not me right now it's just mm-hmm. like something that i'm going through and like how can i analyze it and i remember after that i was like oh i actually wouldn't mind at some point again getting like a little anxiety attack like a small one and really be able to like process that <laughs> yeah. feeling again be uh, able to with, interact with it yeah which know? is something i would have never said because anxiety like has affected my life a lot mm-hmm. throughout like just my childhood and growing up as an adult and everything i think it was a big it was a big moment for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it sounds like it. And I know that you, you're a software engineer for a large tech company now, but you didn't start off, you started off from humble beginnings, which is, is interesting and parallels a lot of what stoicism would tell us, which is you can't necessarily control the situation that you're in, but you can control how you respond to that situation to move yourself into a different situation. So what was your journey like in going from where you were as a kid to being able to mentor, to speak, and to be a software engineer for for the company that you work for now? Yeah, it's funny. I think uh, where I work, we call it a non-traditional path. So I work at Google, which thank you for not mentioning. That's all right. Yeah, that's you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's fine. It's a big tech company. But Some of um, you may have heard of it, like I had mentioned. It's a a decent company. but it's funny because I do these talks and a lot of times it's, oh, Eric has a non-traditional path into engineering. Mm-hmm. And that's a very nice way of saying I didn't go to college. You know? Yes. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> and it's great. It's like, all right, cool. I guess that's cool. But it's not something I like think, I try not to promote because I think people should go to school or I just don't think it's like my place to be like, don't go to school. Yeah. Or there, like that. There's a lot of them that yeah. self-help and personal development out there. They're like, you don't need college. Yeah. Like, Yo, relax. <laughs> it's, like, hey, you know. it's not a blanket statement. <laughs> yeah, It's, it's like different I, for everybody. Yeah. So I, I'm always cautious about that. I don't want anyone to listen to my story, but like, Oh, I'm a drop out of high school. <laughs> it's like, it worked out for him. Yeah. yeah. Cause, I, Cause I also dropped out of high school. So it's always, oh, okay. Yeah. See, yeah. So yeah, we, we don't want, listen, if you're listening to this now, now, there's a thing called survivorship bias. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't yeah. mean that it's the foolproof plan yeah, for everybody. No, you should follow my lead. <laughs> uh, but no, I did. I, I grew up in New York City housing projects. I would say all the things that come with growing up in that kind of environment, I dealt with it. I have a lot of, just a lot of, I would say I carry a lot of trauma with me mm-hmm. <laughs> just from my environment. and like from my everyday life. Just from everyday life in the neighborhood I grew up. Mm-hmm. But... And also, it's funny because growing up, you're, at least growing up where I grew up, it was like the big thing that you would tell students is don't drop out of high school because 95 or 85 percent, like whatever the percentage was, it wasn't good. Mm. If you drop out of high school, 
you're screwed. And so that was a very, that was a big fear for me, dropping out of high school. At least, I think when I was like a teenager, like early age. Obviously, oh, yeah. by the time I dropped out of high school, I didn't care. <laughs> but, but the moment of that decision, you're yeah, like, Yeah, but it's like, and then it's, oh man, somehow I ended up in this statistics that I worked really hard. I, at least I thought I was working really hard to like not become the statistics mm-hmm. when I was younger. But I didn't really work that hard. I ended up dropping out. But I think through... It took, I don't know, I always try to figure it out, like, how did the high school drop off and the projects end up a place like Google? Because mm, it's not exactly easy to get in there, from no, what no. I understand. <laughs> it, it's hard. Yeah. Even if you have an Ivy League education, it's mm-hmm. still hard. But the best I could come up with is small steps over mm-hmm. a long period of time Yes, get you places. I didn't drop out of high school and end up at where I work at now, right? It mm-hmm. took 10, 11 years. That's a big more, actually. It took, you know over 12 years to get from dropout to working at a large tech company mm-hmm. like that and i think it's easy to romanticize that i'm gonna drop out and i'm gonna not go to college and yeah i'm gonna have this amazing job at this amazing company yeah um, nobody's gonna buy a book that says achieve your dreams in 12 easy years <laughs> <laughs> the hard work is <laughs> work hard and get there in 12 years yeah it's like uh that's a I don't have that. You no. buy the, oh, 90 days? Bet. Yeah, I I'm, like, yeah. I'm going to do that. Right? Um, <laughs> but I think over the years, I just learned that the best I've come up with is like work hard. And I try to tell this to people. And my message is not very inspirational. It's, oh, I worked really hard for a long period of time and I caught some lucky breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works out. And if you listen to most people, that's essentially the recipe for success. It's like yes. <laughs> work hard, you'll get some lucky breaks, take advantage of those lucky breaks. And it'll work out. But I think it's really hard to know that at the moment or like the place in time. Like I remember I didn't know what I was going to do with my life at an early age. Like I'm sitting here, I'm at home. I like, I have no degree. I have no high school diploma. I was working, I was making money. So that wasn't also like an issue, but it was like, how, where is this leading me to? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the moment was, but there was a moment in my life that I realized, all right, something has to change. Mm-hmm. I don't know what trigger, I don't know what caused it. But once I realized that, I was like, all right, let me actually just pick something. Yes. And I was always good with computers. I did grow up with a computer. So that was something that I was fortunate enough to have mm-hmm. growing up. So I was programming at an early age. Like most people, if you're my. I wouldn't say, yeah, I grew up early internet. So, like, I'm 85, 86. Mm-hmm. I was born 86, actually. Yes. So, like... He's not 85 years <laughs> old. <laughs> uh, I was born in 86, <laughs> which means that... But I had a computer at an early age. I remember being the only person in my block to have a computer, and people would come and use it in my house. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... You, you're, you were the tech hub. Yeah, I was the tech hub. So it's like, <laughs> to me, computers are like something I grew up with. It's natural. So, mm-hmm. like, I was programming at, like, 13, 12. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. So it was something that I realized, oh, and then when I was 18, 19, it was something that you could almost start making money with. Mm. And I was like, oh, actually, I think I could do something with that. And I just started getting on Craigslist and I would land these jobs, not know how to do them and just talk my way into it. Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, I could do this. Like I'll figure it out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. And sometimes some of those jobs did not go well. I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Those are important and, and, times and it, too. And it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, this is like a really bad experience. But like, <laughs> yeah. I was, I think I was talking to Lewis about it the other day. Yeah. I was like, man, this person wanted to sue me. Was, it's like, I was working on, I was the solo engineer on this giant record label mm. website for a big deal. And I was like, I don't know how I got here, but <laughs> I'm in over my head. <laughs> and this was before I actually had an engineering job. So I haven't actually landed a job. I was just like on Craigslist, mm-hmm. like picking up jobs. And some of it, after i would say after a while and i was also like trying to perfect my craft i was learning at the same time i wasn't like going too far out of my reach but Mm -hmm. i was trying to extend it but with the deadlines and stuff it gets it gets a little weird like some of that learning like i didn't buffer enough time to learn like now i know how to do that even like with teams and like large Mm -hmm. teams oh this person needs to like also need a couple extra days to figure this out Whereas, like, I, when I was younger, I didn't know about that. I was like, oh, yeah, I can get this done in a month. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, a team of 12 people are going to get this done in a month. What was I thinking? So, yeah, it's more, I was very great. Kind of, like, just keep going mm-hmm. with it, keep going with it. And, man, if you land, I think I landed my first paycheck. It was, like, 400 bucks for mm-hmm. 
a week's worth of work, I thought I was rich. I was like, oh, yeah. $400 <laughs> in a week. Yeah, and I was like, I think I was like 18. I'm going to make it rain now. <laughs> yeah, I was like 18, 19. I lived in the projects. That's like, that was like twice our rent. So it was like, it was like, yeah. so it, it was, was a lot. Good. It was a lot. Speaking, yeah, it yes. was a lot. And I was like, oh, this is it. I like, I'm set. I yeah. know how the, this I can do forever. Yeah, I'm retiring uh, <laughs> in the next two years. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, it didn't work out that way. Uh, but I, I kind of like, I from there, I just kind of took it on and I just learn to grow at a decent pace mm-hmm. and even then i think it was maybe when i was 21 i remember celebrating my birthday at a corporate office so by then i already had a job mm-hmm. i was working as a tech it or like assist actually for like mm-hmm. a nonprofit. so i was already by 21 i already had almost two three years in corporate america mm-hmm. so from there it was just incremental and I got lucky with the jobs I was able to land. I was able to learn a lot from a lot of people. And then, yeah, and then you just keep going. And one day you're like, oh, I'm at a pretty cool place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here, here we are. Yeah. W- what I think is really interesting and something that when I'm working with clients, I always do my best to get them to this place of focus because there, there are a lot of times, I was actually on a podcast last night and I was talking about it, where we get attached to the outcome or the ideal. So in my case, for instance, when I first started this journey of helping people, coaching uh, people and learning this craft of coaching, I initially wanted to be a motivational speaker. And I was like, I love the idea of it. But then when I started understanding what the process was to do that, I was like, I don't want to do this. But I held on to it for years, but I knew deep down I didn't want to do it. And the thing that that this reminds me of is that you were always just with a computer. Like you grew up with it. Like you would just go to it effortlessly. Like you didn't have to motivate yourself to go mess around and tinker with the computer. So I always talk about with my clients, you need to find things that you genuinely love the process. How has that played into your work, this idea of loving the process versus being attached to a result or basing your identity on a result and getting somewhere? Yeah, it's funny. I think it's hard for me to think about it because I've always had that, Mm -hmm. where it's some, let's say I probably did bad in school because I had a computer. I was up till three, four, five in the morning in my computer instead of sleeping to go to school. I'm sure you um, even got the, <laughs> the, the the lecture of you need to stop with that and you yeah, need to do, the, the do more school. Gonna, <laughs> it's going to ruin it. So I don't know, but I think it's hard because I try to tell people just, and it's, I struggle with giving people advice. It's, man, I don't know, just try things. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to know what you like. So mm-hmm. for me, it was easy. The computer was easy just because it was there. So I got lucky to some yeah. extent. Like, I had the computer. And I never had to give it that, oh, I'm good at this. Or I need to, I wasn't, I need to go play basketball. I need to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, all oh, the computer was natural to me. But I tell people, it's still something that, you can learn. It's a skill. You don't have to be super passionate about it. You can learn to like it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have an idea. I think math throws people off. It's, oh, I didn't do math in school. It's like, all right, cool. Who cares? <laughs> like, what, does, <laughs> what does that have to do with the computer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, they, there's some cr- crossovers there, but it's yes. not the end of the world. So I think the trick is to try a lot of things. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, and I tell this to people, it's like, man, you don't know what your passion is. You have no idea. Like, mm-hmm. you're a 12 year old, and, and there are people, there are 12 year olds that actually do know their passion, and mm-hmm. those people are like super gifted. I wish I was that because if I had known I wanted to be an engineer at an early age, man, I would have thrived earlier because mm-hmm. I, I was already good at it, but I didn't know it was something I could make money and make a living off. You were doing it just because, like, you enjoyed doing it. You were yeah, it was curious. Something I, I was super curious. Yeah, I was super curious and it was consistent and it didn't fade away. It was mm-hmm. something that I never got tired of. And I think mm-hmm. that's like an important thing. Even now, I don't get tired of it. I think a lot of people burn out, especially in our in my field, because it sometimes it does require a lot of like work and people just overwork. It's very easy to sit on a computer and not get up for hours. Mm-hmm. So I work really hard to not burning out. But to tie it all back together, I feel like I'm going on a tangent. Um, oh, that's what podcast is for. <laughs> it's for tangents. Uh, for tangents? <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, I, I would excel at this. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it's hard to find a passion. And I try to tell this to kids. Like, I try to motivate kids. Most of my speaking engagements and stuff like that, mm-hmm. engagement. Most of my speaking is towards kids, either high school, mm-hmm. junior high school, or 
like college students and I try to tell them like a lot of times they don't like computers or they don't like mm -hmm. math and I was like oh actually get into programming it'll be beneficial to you and like yeah maybe you don't like it but maybe you'll like it in the future or maybe mm -hmm. you'll just like it over better things if your choices are uh stand and stand at a place and work at a store for eight hours or sit at a computer you'll probably like the sitting at the computer yeah. so it's it doesn't have to be the greatest thing it doesn't have to be like your the thing you're most passionate about it definitely helps it helps me in that i don't get bored i like most of my content and stuff like that it's towards engineering so i like it mm -hmm. uh, so it's beneficial to me but i also think if you just want to do it as like a job and do your nine to five or ten to six you're still going to like this job more than yes, the other jobs. you're going to like it more than gonna, other you're things. You're still going to like it more than the alternative, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so it's always just try things. And I've taken an idea to heart. Like, I like music, but mm -hmm. I've never in my life played an instrument. I was never in a situation where I had an instrument to play. Mm -hmm. So now I have a guitar, I have a piano, and, like, I dabble. I'm not going to become a professional, but it's, man, maybe I, I would like music as, like, a thing I want to do, and I have no idea how to do it. Mm -hmm. So now I take my own advice. So I was like, just try different things. Yeah, that's really interesting because in Zen, what's talked about a lot is this whole idea of emptying your cup, not coming in assuming that you know everything, especially not assuming that what you like when you haven't tried something new in ages. So I think that's interesting that you play music or you've decided to I dabble. dabble. In, you <laughs> dabble in music, yeah. Ooh, like play is a strong word. Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> you dabble I've in music. Touch things and they make sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are some acoustics that yeah. happen. <laughs> But what's interesting about that is I think a lot of people, they burn out because they harden their mind by thinking that they know everything and then thinking that they have to do something a specific way without trying a new way, without remaining curious or remaining in that, that playful state. Because that playful state that we had as kids where we could just do something for hours and not even think about the time, that's what energizes you. But if you're doing stuff where you're like constantly like thinking about, okay, what's the result going to be? Am I going to get this thing? Are these people going to think this thing of me when I get it done? Like that crushes you yeah. inside. It's also, we just don't have the same energy as kids. Like I can't do anything for 12 hours. Right. <laughs> like what? Yeah, uh, exactly. Whereas a kid could like bounce around. Yeah. Just run around the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this is son. My yeah. godson is running outside, like <laughs> sprinting. <laughs> and Lewis like, is like. I'm tired from watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hot out there. <laughs> like, man. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's funny. One of the things I actually work on really hard right now, it's like proper focus or mm -hmm. like working for a short amount of time. And when I say short, I mean like two, three hours. Yes. <laughs> that's so like a long amount of time, but like focus. And it's so that that's a very yeah. interesting concept. We were talking about that before we started recording where you're reading a book right now on focus. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what impact has that had in your work and what stuff were you already doing without really realizing it? Yeah, that's interesting. So the book is focused. That's why I'm so, I was just reading it too. That's why I'm so into focus right now. But mm -hmm. I think it was written by Daniel Goldman, which was the same guy who like brought the idea of like emotional intelligence into mm -hmm. the world. Yes. He wrote a book and he coined it. So now it's, oh, you got to be emotional intelligence. Actually, that was like 20 years probably. But yeah, it's like, it, was, it was a hot it minute ago. <laughs> uh, but he has another book, which is an old book too. I don't know how old, but it's not new. And it's called Focus. And the idea is, like, in order to excel at something, you mm -hmm. need to just learn to focus on that. And I haven't finished reading the book, so I don't know the whole idea. It's mm -hmm. something I started. But I also, I read multiple times this book called Deep Work, which mm -hmm. I think it's... I've been wanting to read that one. Yes. That's on my Amazon list, man. Yeah, and I read that book almost maybe once a year, actually, okay. at this point. Well, now I'm going to have to get uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the idea is, like, you have to be able to sit at your desk and work for two, three, four hours. And not sit at your desk. If you're a writer, go and write for two, three hours. Mm -hmm. But that truly was going to help you excel or succeed at what you're doing. Because I think for a long time, I was just working like the mm -hmm. computer thing was easy for me. And I was just like, oh, I could go to work and put in one or two hours of solid work and then the hour work. Yes. And I got to a point where that's not sustainable anymore. And uh, I think to some extent, it was probably my recent job at this big tech company where it's like the bar just it's a little mm -hmm. higher enough that everyone else is working solid three, four five hours. Mm -hmm. um, and you're like, oh, man, my my one, two hours aren't going to cut it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I learned that really quick where it's like, man, I just don't have the focus that 
to some extent, people learn over the years. They learn that in school. They learn that studying. And I didn't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Or I canceled that opportunity for myself. I don't want to make it seem like yes. someone stripped school away from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, made those, the decision. Those were, my, those <laughs> were my actions. But in that process, I've always been okay without it. I've mm-hmm. always been able to like get my work done. But I realized that I was just looking around. I was like, man, everyone around me is so dedicated. They could sit at their desk. They could put out like a good amount of work. And mm-hmm. I wasn't there. And I was like, what do I need to do to get there? And that's how I learned about meditation. And that's how I learned about all these things. I wasn't trying to like productivity hack, but I was trying to figure out how can my work hours be good work hours? Mm. And that's what I consider productivity. It's am I doing the right thing at the right time? I'm at my desk and I'm like on Google searching some random stuff. That's not productive. It should be Mm. doing my job. And the idea of focus and deep work is like, hey, Actually, when you do that, you're actually also going to get better. You're going to learn to focus better, and it's a skill that you can grow. And I've learned to grow that skill and be like, oh, actually, the first time I couldn't work more than 20 minutes on this Mm -hmm. task, but now I can can do two hours. And then I can build endurance. Yeah, and you build that endurance. And it's, oh, man, now I can sit at my desk, be like, oh, I'm going to get this four hour task done. Mm -hmm. And no, I'm going to get it done. And that Mm -hmm. was a skill that I've had to learn. I've had to, like, at this point, I master. And sometimes I slip up. Mm-hmm. And that's why I read the book once a year. I'm very big on like knowledge. We almost always have the right knowledge. Like if you could do it once, you could do it again, mm-hmm. but you forget about it over time. So like I read the book to remind me and be like, oh, yes, I, I need to tweak it a little better. I'm not, I, I was doing this when I started and I stopped doing it. Let me put that back. Mm-hmm. I, I do that a lot too, is like going back to books that you've already read that have had a big impact on you because I think that's a great point. Like we always a lot of the time we have the knowledge, like we know what to do, but we're not doing it. We're, we're not, in other words, we're not bringing focus to it. Yeah, we're not. Right? The whole point is bring the focus. Like yeah. Pay attention. Exactly. And like, what did you do last time? And like when you have that focus, it's actually really easy to be like, oh, actually I remember I wrote all this down mm-hmm. and let's look at it now. Oh, I'm not doing these five things. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing the things that made me successful yeah. previously. That's probably why I'm not getting the same results yeah. today. <laughs> and it's funny. I was telling you, I was rereading your book and I've read your book multiple times. Oh, yeah, too. man. You read like uh, the old one. <laughs> yeah. And you know why? It's because that book worked for me. Did it really? Oh, yeah. my. That's and amazing like, to hear. Because <laughs> yeah, this content's so much different from that, but I'm glad that it did. No, it's because it might be because I know you and it's something I just find really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got this book. I have a paper copy. I could like mm-hmm. read it. And I think knowing you and knowing how you operate, like it, like I can take that, internalize it and be like, all right, I know what I need to do. So I just, I have these methods. They've worked for me in the past. So mm-hmm. whenever I try to do something, in this case, I'm trying to lose weight again. Mm-hmm. So because of whatever reason, I've gained a lot of weight during the pandemic and stuff. I was like, oh, I know how to lose weight. I have a system for losing weight mm-hmm. now. <laughs> it's already there. <laughs> <laughs> I have it written down. I journaled like extremely last time. Let me yes. actually go back. And now what I did, I went back, I found my journal, I found the steps I was doing and I started, I didn't skip to like the part where I learned like the most optimum way to do it. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think I'm there in like my journey right now. Mm-hmm. So I started from the beginning and it's, oh, this is the one thing I'm doing now. It's I, as I'm doing, I'm digitalizing a little more. So I have it on my Evernote, on my mm-hmm. notes and stuff. But just so like whenever I want to, if I ha- get to a point where I need to lose weight again, mm-hmm. it's actually I, this time it's going to be a little more yes. uh, streamlined because now I'm like, I'm reading through my notes. I'm trying to put it all together. I have like acronyms. I don't know what they mean anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like I wrote some down. It was I good. Down. It, but it I don't know what it means. <laughs> what was this? This is the key. <laughs> I need to translate this information. (laughs) So I like do it better this time. But I do. I think we were always looking for that extra thing. And it's Mm -hmm. actually, it's not the extra thing. We just need to apply what we know or we Mm -hmm. get like some kind of improvement. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really interesting concept. So the philosophy of Zen Stoicism has been developing over the years, right before it was just like a mix. Like when I did content on this podcast or on the previous podcast, rather it was a mix of here's some Zen, here's some stoicism. This is how they interact, but there was no like real weaving of them. So recently what we've come up with and brainstorming some of these ideas are something called the four intentions and the four delusions. And one of the delusions the the, the whole premise is this, is that you can do the right thing on the surface outward and people will notice that, hey, Eric did the right thing. 
right? He did something good. He did something great and people will celebrate you for it. But the one thing that you can't hide from yourself are your own intentions. Like what intentions you go in with are the thing that you'll always know regardless of how good things turn out. And sometimes when they turn out really good, but your intentions are in the wrong place, you feel even worse about it. So basically we created the four intentions, the four delusions. And one of those intentions is the intention of discipline of like actually like going in, like sitting with something, going back over stuff that you know that maybe you're not doing. And the counterpart to that intention is the delusion of expediency. In other words, like I'm going to try and do this real quick. I'm going to try and skip a step. Let me go to my optimized version of this because this is what worked for me. So it's interesting that you bring that up because sometimes discipline is just going back to your fundamentals rather than trying to do like the fancy way yeah, or trying to get a special piece of workout equipment to lose the weight. And yeah, it's really interesting that just going back to the groundwork, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very curious about these four fundamentals and like the, what was it? You called so it? the four intentions, intentions and the four and delusions. delusions. Yeah. Because that gives me a system to use. I feel like I, I practice this. I just don't have the, yes. the vocabulary for it. Yes. It's like, I believe and I think like, well, you're saying discipline, right? Mm. I know how to lose weight. I've had the discipline before to lose weight, but I'm not doing any of the things I was doing before. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to go. I don't think oh, I need to buy this book. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new out there that's going to help me. Yeah. After I've done it <laughs> once, I don't need to go find this other magic. Like I used to do a lot of performance work, like web performance. Mm-hmm. And we call it like a silver bullet, right? Yes. I never look for the silver bullet because like, the website is never bad because someone wrote one line of code. It's usually like a whole lot of things. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that <laughs> there's, went into there's that. There's a lot that's like really, usually there's a lot that's, it's rare to find like this one thing that's making it slow. It's the reason why it's yeah. crashing. So I'm very against silver bullets. So mm, I think same. in my, the way I go about things, the way I kind of like process information, the way I like try to improve myself, it's. All right, what are the 2,000 things I need to do? Because <laughs> there's that <laughs> many moving easy. parts. <laughs> yeah, it's, nothing's easy. So it's like, what are the 2,000 things I need to do? How can I get to the first mm-hmm. five done? Yeah, it's like a oh, good thing I wrote them down <laughs> yeah, when I did like, it that one time. And I know what the first five is. I know where they're yes. at. Let me start there. And then if throughout the way... I do learn of something more efficient or things like that. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I guess I never try to shortcut something where it's, oh, I know how to get rid of these 2,000 steps. It's, no, I can probably maybe two or three of them were inefficient. Mm-hmm. I can make something better. But the process is still going to be the process. It's still going to take right. time. I, I don't try to rush things. And with discipline, I don't know if, I don't know where. I try to, I was talking to my cousin about how, her son can like my godson actually mm-hmm. how he can be a little more disciplined or a little more focused with work because not with work but like with he likes using a computer he like he programs a lot actually as a kid like mm-hmm. he does a lot of like scratch and like all these games but when it gets hard he like stops mm. and it's like how can i make it so that when it gets hard he continues and it's actually just part of the process and it's hard because like how do you Kids and discipline and focus. (laughs) I don't know. And I don't know how to do that with adults. What is discipline? But what I've learned is that just like discipline is just sitting down. And And just doing (laughs) it. And just doing it. Just, hey. Doing what you know is the right thing. Yeah. Because just for that, for the sake of that, it's the right thing for you at that moment. Yeah. Sit there for an hour and I promise you'll be okay at the end. Yeah. You're not going to die. And and just try to make forward progress. Yes. and, but that's surprisingly hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, th- I think something that's really interesting about discipline, this is something else that came up, not just on last night's podcast, but this actually came up on an interview that I was doing on this podcast a little bit ago. Part of discipline, I think, is going back to that concept of loving the process. And I think there's a big difference between loving the process and liking the process. I think if you like the process, you'll do it as long as it's fun. Yeah. If you're out there dating somebody and you like them, when it ceases to be fun, you're like, okay, I don't want to be in this anymore with this person. But when you love somebody, even when it's not fun because you love them, you'll push through the hard times. You'll make the tough decisions. So I think it's similar when it comes to the process of our work. And when it comes to kids, like if they just like something, they're not going to push through what's difficult. Like my little brother, for instance, he was really good at soccer and he liked soccer. He didn't love soccer. So when it got hard, he didn't really want to do it. He's recently started jujitsu and he loves it because it is hard. 
and he knows it, but he doesn't care. He keeps going. He keeps showing up. So it's really interesting, like, when you when you find something that you like versus something that you love, like, there's a different relationship that you have with it. Yeah, that's interesting. I think one of the difficult things in engineering is actually the technical interview, mm -hmm. uh, which is this thing that, like, big tech companies, like, they bring you up. They, like, you have to go to four or five of these, and you have to, like, do everything on a whiteboard and solve mm -hmm. these what are considered, like, tough problems. And for a long time, I didn't want to apply to a big tech company because I didn't want to have to go through, mm -hmm. like, that process yeah and it wasn't until i learned i felt like i had the right discipline and the right it wasn't something about skills it was more of this is going to take effort and i didn't know how to apply the correct amount of effort and discipline i needed to get uh, mm -hmm. to be successful at those kind of interviews but once i had that and i think in the process i fell in love with the idea of uh these problems and how these problems are solved that from there, I was able to actually get multiple offers from mm. like tech companies. And it was something that I look back now. And I was like, man, could I have done it sooner? I was like, maybe. But I don't know if I liked it as much back yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, whereas it takes time to develop yeah. that, that feeling towards anything that you're doing. It takes time in the saddle, as you could say, or like just practice. Yeah, the practice. It's really just the practice, right? Yes. I learned to practice and just be okay with it. And in the process, I think I fell in love with engineering more. Mm -hmm. Like now I'm actually super, I think I was always passionate with computers, but now I'm passionate about engineering, which mm -hmm. I think in that process, I learned to like, I, I learned to love that a lot. Yes. Um, I don't want to say love because it's like a weird, for me, it's a weird thing to love engineering, but, but I, I like yeah, it. it. <laughs> it's, it, it's, yeah. It is an interesting word, uh, choice of words. <laughs> I, I will definitely say that. But it just you know, the way that I see that is it's just something that you're able you're able to be present in it without thinking about anything else while you're doing it. Yeah, the idea of like focus, and yeah. I think in the book I haven't gotten there yet, but I've read ahead a little. You're like I haven't gotten there yet, but I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say in the book. The idea of focus is actually are you doing it and you're present and you're not thinking of something else. And then mm -hmm. I think it was like a study they did where. They, there was an app or something and they they would call someone. You had to have this app on your phone and they would mm -hmm. call someone and they will ask you, what are you doing and what are you thinking about? Yes. And most of the time, what someone was doing and what they're thinking about were not the same they're thing. Two different things. <laughs> they're yeah. two different things, yeah. Yeah, in Zen, that's called duality. To be in two different places at once. Like, I'm doing this one thing, but my mind is somewhere else. And that's one of the things that kind of throws us off our center and causes unnecessary stress. Yeah. And now it's funny because one of the big things I learned on like deep work and just focus towards mm -hmm. my work is I used to get up, sit on my desk and be like, let me start working. But now I actually sit down. I like I have a notebook and mm -hmm. I set my intentions and I say, oh, uh, it's, it's just in the background. We'll keep going. That, that yeah. is, that's that's Adrian, my godson, just <laughs> making <Adrian>. a ruckus. <laughs> uh, and one of the things is now. I don't ever just sit down and start working. Mm -hmm. I sit down, I have a notebook, and I'm like, what am I going to do today? Yes. And I write it down, and I go into work with an intention mm -hmm. of getting that task done, which is such a small thing, mm -hmm. but, like, small, like, change in my day-to-day, -day, but it makes such a huge difference. Like, I know what I'm working towards, and I just try to set, try to get that done. Yeah, it's interesting, because just a small perception change, like, having the, having an intention just generally speaking, very different from not having one because when you don't have an intention, you usually just default to your biases, to how you're feeling emotionally that day, and then there is no discipline, right? Discipline, I think part of what that is, knowing what it is that you're setting out yeah. for, what is the intention of what I'm doing here. And you get distracted really easy. If I don't have, there's days where I don't do that because I'm like, oh, I know what I need to do. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is I get easily distracted with anything that comes my way. It's like someone might ping me, someone might message me, I might get this email. And it's easy to be like, oh, this is the important thing. But it's actually... That's not the important thing at all. I have, I know what <laughs> the, the important exciting thing, thing is. Yeah, that's the fun thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's easy to get distracted with the fun thing if I don't have my intentions written down and be like, oh, this is what I need to get done today. Mm -hmm. Where it's, yeah, it's completely changed the way I work. It's yeah, and that, that's a big reason why I called the core of this philosophy the intentions, right? The reason being is because if you don't have an intention for how you're going to act or what is driving your decisions, you will default to just 
pleasure and pain basically mm-hmm. making your decisions. If something is more pleasurable, even if it's not as important, you'll go do that if mm-hmm. you have no intention. So it's, it's important. Day crying is not fun sometimes. No, it's not fun. <laughs> but it is important, yeah. right? It, it does allow you to develop yourself as well as get to places that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to get to. If you just default to what feels good, then yeah, you're in for a rough ride. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's super important in my work too because what I also realized happening early on, I think it was, I took a break. I think mm-hmm. after I took a break, it was maybe six, seven months. Yeah. I forgot how to work. I was like, <laughs> that or it was just very different. I went from- you Didn't uh, have the endurance anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know Out what happened. Out like, of work shape. Yeah, I got, I just, I got too lazy or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I try to remember like, how did I work before? Because I was super productive before. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is, just the role was different i was Mm. like more of a team leader capacity and it was easy for me to help people perform at their best whereas Mm -hmm. i forgot how to do that for myself for a while yeah and then when it was like oh it's time for me to perform at my best it's oh man i've been so far removed i've been leading teams for a while i just Mm -hmm. forgot how to like just sit down and work so it's interesting it's I don't know. I I think (laughs) all these things are interesting. I think the intention stuff, I did not expect it to make such a difference. Mm -hmm. And yet it's probably, it's just the thing I recommend people do the most now. And it's just hard for me to explain why, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I need to, I need to really figure out these intentions and the duality. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we can get into (laughs) it. Uh, So pretty much the way to think about them. So the discipline is one intention. The expediency is one of the delusions. But the first intention is the intention of humanity. Now, the intention of humanity is essentially coming from the Stoic concept of sympathia, but also from some of the precepts in Buddhism. So it's like an amalgamation of these things. Basically, what humanity is, it's understanding I am on my own path. Other people are on their path. I'm going to respect their path. I'm not going to inhibit it in any way, but also to understand not just from the subjective experience of being a human, but the objective experience of our world. Me being a human is understanding the nature of what's going on around me. And it's stuff as as simple as you're not going to get upset when it rains. Because raining is part of nature, and getting upset at that is you seeing yourself separate. Yeah, Yeah, oh, it's raining and it's ruining my day. (laughs) Like you get upset and and it's dumb. So the, the counterpart to humanity is dissociation, right? Seeing yourself as separate from other humans or like, self-important or it's raining on my birthday and i don't like that shit Uh, (laughs) so that's dissociation so if you are dissociating if you're trying to in other words make yourself special or important basically what you're doing is you're removing yourself from the human experience you're going into a delusional state of thinking so even if you win while you're dissociating and making yourself the important one you lose because you're disconnected from reality itself so that's the first set The second one is understanding. So going in, again, with that empty cup, with that curiosity, like going in with the intention of understanding, of learning something. So you go in with the the beginner's mind, if you will, like always being curious, as well as instead of judging somebody's situation or what somebody says, you seek to give empathy and compassion because you don't really understand what's going on in that person's world. So as long as you seek to understand versus to judge, it'll give you a very different feeling in terms of your own feeling, but also make the other person feel very different. Yeah. And I think of those as, for me, those are always been emotional intelligence, right? Like yeah. the empathy, like just the active listening, really being able to like understand what's happening, like mm-hmm. not just in my moment, but like in the other person. And those are strong skills for leading a team. Yes. I think those, those are like, those Need are those. clutch right there. Those yeah. are, <laughs> those are they make or break you. That's yeah. right. That's right. And it's so true because if you don't if you don't seek to understand people and you always want them to understand you, eventually you're just going to become completely disconnected. You're going to lose rapport and if you're leading a team, you're leading any even if you're leading an individual, they're not they're eventually not going to listen to you because they realize that you actually don't care about them. You're just doing things for whatever it is that you want personally. Yeah. yeah. I don't expect anyone to understand me, but yeah, I, I try to understand everyone. <laughs> but that the thing is, you can't control somebody else understanding you, but you can make the effort to try to understand yes. somebody else. Yeah. And that's why, as an intention, understanding you may not get full understanding, but if you are at least heading in that direction, it's going to be super different than if you are in a situation where you're thinking that you have all the answers. Yeah. 
or you're thinking that you know about this person when the reality is I, I, I learned a long time ago. I have no answers. <laughs> Absolutely. So the counterpart that I, that I have for understanding or the delusion is control. So it's not exactly an opposite, but control is I have everything. I'm certain about everything. I, I know everything. I'm going in with a full cup. I'm going in with my expectations. I'm going to do things. If I do something nice for this person, it's so that I can put one oh, in the bank. Yeah. Like I, I did a favor for this guy. <laughs> so if you're I'm going to check that in later. Yeah, I, I'm going to cash, cash that. that in, yeah. <laughs> so when, instead of understanding if you're going into control, you're going in thinking that what this person is or what this person wants or how you can manipulate them, then you're going into another delusion, right? You're going to cause yeah. unnecessary stress. Even if you win, you still got to look yourself yeah, in the mirror. Not, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then we went over the, the discipline and the expediency, but then the last one that I think is really important. And I actually, I noticed something in the beginning of this conversation with it that I'll say in a second, but the last one is sincerity versus Man, I just had a brain fart on my own podcast. <laughs> oh, I've been having those the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. <laughs> it's all good. No, I see. And I'm going to even leave this in there. I'm not even editing this out. So it's sincerity uh, versus performance. So sincere is I'm just doing this because I want to do it. I'm just doing this because this is my expression. This is my vulnerability. I'm just, I'm going to put myself in the line. I don't really care because this is me. Versus performance is I'm going to try and show people that I'm this thing, that I have this image. I want people to get this type of opinion of me. And what I noticed is what you and I talked about in the very beginning of this episode was Marcus Aurelius meditations. And that was never intended to be a book. That was just his sincere thoughts and reflections about his life, about what he was you know, going through. And I have a feeling that if he knew it was going to be a book, it probably wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think about that a lot. That's why I mentioned I try to put myself in a situation when yeah. I'm writing that because I try to think, oh, this person is not writing a book. This person is like... Right. This is a moment in this time. This is a journal. Yeah, this is, a, this is his journal, a moment in time. And I think about that too because I journal and mm -hmm. journaling has actually been the thing that's helped me be a little more aware, be able to say, oh, I'm actually, I'm not focused when I need to be or mm -hmm. I'm not paying the attention to the right thing. And the journal actually like, it's like a check on myself. It's, oh, are you doing the things you say? It helps me not be delusion, the, the delusions. Because when you're in those. Yeah. Like, you could feel it. Nobody's got to tell you. Yeah. Like, you just know. You're like, be quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I'm not talking to that part. Like, it's in the back of my head. But journaling, it's like, when I journal, I have a conversation with myself. And it's mm -hmm. like this other person where it's, it's almost actually, it's almost like talking out loud with mm -hmm. myself in a book. Where it's, oh, like, you said you were going to do this thing a week ago. Yes. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened to that effort? What happened to that? And like, you said you're going to focus today. And you didn't. You say you're going to be super productive like these two days and mm -hmm. you kind of like you put it off for tomorrow. Yeah. What so happened like, there? <laughs> and I actually asked my, it's like I'm having a dual conversation with myself. And it's like, yes, uh, actually, like, oh, am I going to make an excuse? Oh, no, I was lazy this day. Or like, you know, like you're saying the rain got me down. <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not good. The rain. <laughs> it's like, that rain, that boy. Rain, that rain will get you. Um, <laughs> So yeah, no, I think it's interesting because I, I also, I like reading the book because I think to myself, it's all oh, journaling. It's just a thing I should be doing. And mm -hmm. it always reminds me to journal myself and to just write these things down and have a conversation with yourself because who else are you going to have a conversation with? And who else can you be this open with? Yeah. Absolutely. I think even uh, what's really interesting is that when you have that type of a conversation with yourself through journaling, through self-reflection, it's not the same as if you're you know, talking to another person. You can have a deep conversation with another person, but it's not the same as being able to check yourself yeah, and to self-assess, realizing that, like, what you're saying right now, there is nobody watching or listening except for you. Yeah, And so when you have that perspective, it's like, if I'm not being real, I'm going to know it instantly. <laughs> so I might as well... <laughs> Not waste my time no, yeah. <laughs> and, and be very real with myself. And whenever I journal, the times I'm journaling, I'm at my best. Yes. Because it's like I'm holding myself accountable. Yeah. Uh, where it's Holding like, yourself to a standard. Yeah. You know, like, and I know if I stop journaling, I'm slacking. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, that's my way of not checking in with myself. Yeah, you're like, oh. <laughs> I can't. I don't, talk, I don't want to talk to that guy. going to like make sense. I don't yes. want to make sense right now. <laughs> I'm trying to skip out uh, on that. I'm trying, I'm trying to slack out for a little bit. Yeah, I exactly. I need to talk to that guy. That's right. That's right. So, Eric, I know you've been reading recently doing like a lot of content creation oh, yeah. all right so what kind of content have you been creating what kind of inspired you to start doing it 
Yeah. I don't know what inspired me. I think I was on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Most of my content is on Instagram. And I don't want to call myself a content creator because I just, I post videos and pictures on Instagram, but I don't feel like where I want to be to be considered a content creator. <laughs> I haven't given myself that, <laughs> but, that, that uh, title yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite there. But I think I was on Instagram and I, I was just inspired by, I because of the pandemic, I've mm -hmm. always built out my desk and like my workstation. Mm -hmm. And I've been, like you said, I'm very passionate about it. So I like to make it so that it's a good place for me to work. I want to be happy in this mm -hmm. place. And I like to customize it. I like to make it look cool. And I saw a lot of people like posting pictures of their setup on Instagram. And I was like, oh, I think I have a nice setup. Let me start sharing pictures. And then it turned into, oh, this person with a nice computer is also talking about their path and their journey. And it's like, oh, let me talk about my path and journey. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think I have an interesting uh, path. And then. You most certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, at least people tend to find yes, my path interesting. Absolutely. I think it's the worst path. <laughs> uh, but it's my life. And then I realized. I was always mentoring and I, I was speaking, but I wasn't doing it in the public space. Mm. And I thought to myself, I can't scale me meeting with someone every day. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm doing, maybe I'm mentoring one person for three, six months. Yes. Uh, that's not scalable to where I don't want to mentor a gazillion people, but I would like to mentor 10 or 20 people. And mm. I thought, actually, if I start putting content on the internet... That's a way more scalable method, right? Yes. Like, just like put yeah, it out where there. you can reach people. I can reach more people. And I was mentoring. I was mentoring someone, and they kept motivating to put my content out there. And she's mm. great. She's she's now a friend, which I met through Instagram. Yes. My but she just kept encouraging me. She's like, you got to put more content. You like you have something good to say. Mm -hmm. You should say it. You got to share it. You got to share it. And she just kept motivating me, motivating me. And she would. She does great content. So I always mm -hmm. thought. I just look at her. I was like, I don't need a post. She's got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I would consider myself. A, I would consider her a content creator. I would consider yes. myself some guy that posts random. Some guy that posts content uh, that he creates. Yeah. Reordering the words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some random guy that posts things on Instagram. But, I like it. <laughs> um, but I, I did think now I'm starting to get more into it. And I'm still trying to figure out what my content really is. Like, how can I be more... Mm -hmm most effective with what I talk about because yes. I do want to have these conversations where I'm like, how can I help this person succeed in something I failed before mm. or help them like skip a step so that instead of doing 2000 steps, they have to do 998, 1,998. Yeah. Uh, so Not that efficient. Um, <laughs> and I think, so I've been dabbling with it. I think, I, mm. I'm obviously going to keep doing it. I want to get better at it. But it's something that, to some, for some reason, I don't like talking about certain things. And I think the things that people find, the things that are most beneficial to people mm -hmm. are the things I don't want to talk about. <laughs> I feel like I have, I know what you want to hear. I just That's not what I want to talk about. So I'm trying to be more comfortable with that. Actually, I think I did a good job in this podcast. Which I is think like, so too, man. Because I try not to talk about like dropout or like high school dropout or being, yes. not going to college and stuff like that. And I'm trying to learn to be more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And that this is the process for me. This is like, I actually mentioned it. It's not the end of the world. You're going to be okay. But I, I do have that fear where it's like, it's just maybe something I don't talk about. I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's the whole dichotomy between that sincerity and that performance. Like sometimes we don't want to. We're not sure how something is gonna you know come off, but and when you say it, and you're like, oh, that's not so bad. Nothing. Well, fell, we'll see. Nothing, nothing fell apart. This podcast hasn't been published yet. <laughs> <laughs> at the time uh, of this recording. Everything's yeah. okay. <laughs> everything's okay today. Today, <laughs> but no, and now actually, I've really I like the process of creating content yes. now is a problem, the yes. problem is now i actually enjoy it it's like yes. i'm passionate about it you're like oh this is fun, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> so now i'm like i'm curating these shots i'm like making sure all the lighting is right yeah now i'm starting to work on videos i'm trying to like make more relatable content mm -hmm. and now it's something that now i want to do more of it the issue is time i think because time is a problem with everyone so i haven't been good at doing focused social work for like mm. content creation. So I'm very good. My priority is always my work. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for me to be like, I know how to like optimize this and make sure that's the first thing I do. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to content, I still, it's, I don't, if I do it, I do it. If I don't, it's going to be all right. Yes. <laughs> and I, I haven't quite lifted it up in my priority where it's, oh, it could be 
doesn't have to be the second most important thing or the third, but it can be an important thing. Cause yeah. I, I enjoy it, but I don't give myself, I guess the pleasure of doing that as much as I probably should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it seems like at this stage it's play. It's not yeah. work. It's play. It's I'm going to make this cause I want to make it. And if I don't, it's not the end of the world. Okay. Yeah. That's so the type of content that you put out there, you talk about your journey a little bit, your setup, what kind of people typically tune in to, to what you For create? me, it's mostly engineers, mostly software engineers early in their career mm-hmm. or early in their careers are students. A lot of students because I also, I try to give people ideas, not ideas, but tips and a recommendation mm-hmm. on how to pass a technical interview, Yes, which is something that's really difficult and I think uh, the thing that you feared yourself. Yeah, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> very great observation there. I do my uh, best to listen. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, when about that, I went about that the same way I go about everything in my life, which is like I said, I kind of journal, I take notes, I try mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on, and in that process, I was doing that, and while doing that, I like compiled this list of things that work for me. Mm-hmm. And then when I was mentoring people, I was doing the same thing for them. Yes. So that's why when I was mentoring Maya, she was like, man, you like, this is the content. Yes. <laughs> this is it right here. <laughs> this is it. Uh, so I put that out there and I think people like they they still it was received well. And I think people keep coming back for more like mm-hmm. con- more tips and like understanding of that. So I think. Yeah, I don't know if I answered the question. You you most certainly <laughs> did. Yeah, it's engineers. <laughs> students. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I think is People learning early in their career where I might have something to offer. To be fair, I probably have something to offer for people at any stage in their career, but I don't know. Absolutely. I, I, I think so for sure. I, and I th- what I think is really interesting, we were talking about this earlier, about this whole idea of emotions, and they're not necessarily good or bad. They just are. Some feel good, some don't. And at least the way that I describe it through Zen Stoic is that your pleasant emotions are most abundant in what I call stabilizing energy. In other words, like reinforcing like what you're doing. Hey, this emotion feels good. It's going to make me do this thing more. But then in the unpleasant emotions, I think they're most abundant in creative energy and like the need to solve a problem. And what I think is interesting is that your creative output actually the thing that you're helping people most with was one thing that was once a very unpleasant feeling for you. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't, you can get creative gruesome. off of things. That was, feel. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is the thing with the, the type of interview, this thing, the technical interview is that a lot of it is material you learn in school, mm. right. In engineering, it's more computer science, not so mm. much programming. Yes. And that was something that I didn't have because I didn't go to school. Mm-hmm. So I, but through all my years, I've actually taken multiple like self-computer science courses. I've done all the work and all the material. So I was always scared that maybe I wasn't, not having gone to school, I wasn't like good enough for that. Mm-hmm. But then it worked out, it was okay. But the, the thing is, that was something that, it wasn't just hard for me. It was like a big fear. It was like, it's almost, if I can't do this, I'm not an engineer. i uh, this field I think I like and I think I'm good at actually says I'm bad at it. Mm. So it was like that was very hard for me to to really be okay confronting and be like, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I was like, oh, now I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to help more people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, now I'm going to, that I know how to do. I know how to help people. <laughs> like I can help people be good. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't think of it as, I've never put it all together, I guess, till right now. That's usually my job. <laughs> I link all these things. <laughs> yeah, great. That That's really interesting. So before we wrap up, I have a, a question that I usually ask people and sometimes I'll change the format a little bit. What I would, the way I'm going to ask it to you is going to be like this. If you were to, let's say by some stroke of bad luck, everything that you've built over the last 12 years, you were to lose it and be starting at ground zero again. If there was one principle or one concept or one lesson that if you just had that, you could start rebuilding everything else, what would that be for you? Yeah, so the one thing, that's a great question, by the way. I actually... The funny thing is, I think about this all the time. (laughs) Oh, excellent. (laughs) Which is a horrible thing because I have a constant fear that I, like I mentioned, I grew up in the projects. I have a constant fear that maybe some bad luck or something, I'll Mm -hmm. end up back in like the projects. And 
it's just like a thing where it's, I don't want to be in that situation in my life. But the thing I always realize, and I I go down and I, I like try to, uh, I try to see like, all right, if I do end up back in the projects, I'm broke. I'm like, I have no money. I mm-hmm. have no place to live. I'm going to be okay because <laughs> I know how to learn things and learn that education like school is one way to get educated and to learn things, mm-hmm. but it's not the only way. Yes. And I had to learn that the hard way, but mm-hmm. that in itself comforts me because yes. I know no matter what happens, I can't unlearn anything. So mm. even if tomorrow I have to like completely change my career and do something completely different, I'm okay in the sense that I know whatever it is, I'll be able to learn it. It might yes. not take a day. It might not, it might take a long time, but it's going to be okay. So for me, like the idea of self-learner or just mm-hmm. a life learner is something that I take with me. And I think that's really, that's my answer to everything. And so just be a self-learner and be okay mm-hmm. doing it little by little. And if you want to do it a lot by a lot, that's okay too. But learn little by little every day and whatever it is mm-hmm. you need to. Yeah. Keep that ability to learn that curiosity. Yeah. The, th- the very thing that got you to where you are today. So I think that's a that's an amazing lesson, simple but very profound, because in a scenario where you lose all your resources, you lose what you have, you can always learn. Yeah. You could always learn, which is the exact thing that brought you here. Yeah. So, Eric, thank you so much for being on. Where can people find you if they want to check out your content? Let's say some software engineers are listening to this. <laughs> they want to get better at their technical interviews. Where, where can they find some of the yeah. stuff that you create? Uh, thanks for having me. This was great, Absolutely. actually. I need to do more podcasts. This you is must. amazing. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> this is good. I can talk all day. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm on Instagram mostly as Champagne Colder. Mm-hmm. It's champagne, like, like the, the beverage, <laughs> and colder. And then I'm also on Twitter, Champagne Colder, but... I'm not as active on Twitter, but I'm trying to get a little better. So mostly Twitter and Instagram, YouTube coming soon. I have a YouTube video or something like that, but not other okay. place you, where you and I both, man. Yeah, not <laughs> a place where I'm like, oh, find me on YouTube. Yes, mostly Instagram for now. Yeah. Okay, so you, you heard it here, Champagne Coder. That's where you can find Eric's content. Eric, thanks so much for being on the Zen Stoic Path, man. It was a pleasure having you. It's a lot of fun, and I appreciate everything. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry, that's it. I can't talk no more. This is, this is a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs>